0: Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Israel Fair in for Bic Nazar. Bic is on Canuck Central today with Dan Riccio. Dom Shramatis here. Costa here running the board as well. Do text us. It is the people show after all, for the people. By the people, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you. In Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at dunbarlumber.com. Coming up in a few minutes, we will catch up, uh, as usual, in his uh, Monday slot with uh, Canucks radio play-by-play voice, Brendan Batchelor, on a... Busy weekend for the Vancouver Canucks, kind of becoming old hat, I guess. Back-to-back weekends for the Canucks uh, with back-to-back games and uh, four four wins in that, in that group. It's become the norm uh, for this team. Uh, we'll dig into that with Batch. But I do want to, uh, before getting to Brendan, make at least one quick point on this late-season run for the Canucks. They've done it again. They did it last year and it was a little bit more extended, obviously going back to uh, December when Travis Green and Jim Benning were fired and Bruce Boudreaux comes over, takes over uh, as the Canucks coach and they immediately go on a run there and carry a lot of that, uh, although not quite to the same extent as they did uh, in in the initial weeks, uh, but overall still had that point pace that would have been somewhere close to the playoffs. So they're they're doing it again now uh, with Rick Tockett as the coach. But uh, the fans are certainly not falling for it again. Uh, That's been a pretty common thought, a common response by Canucks fans. We saw it last year, and there were people that bought in. I'll be perfectly honest. I thought that there was something there, that there was reason to think that, okay, maybe they are pushing closer to being that playoff team. The start of this season showed that that was uh, certainly not the case. But what I'm curious about is how much the players and the core players in particular realize that or take that into account as to how people are reacting to this run. It's very clear that they are pushing to win, that players—this has now become very common across the NHL— the idea of the players don't tank, and uh, in the in the markets that uh, have teams that are not performing, that have teams that that are closer to the bottom of the standings, it's a it's a topic of conversation. Our our the, our players will not tank. That's not what players do. Tanking is something that can be done by executives uh, making trades, not trying their ultimate best to put forth a lineup that can be competitive. And we've seen some some pretty big examples. The Canucks have obviously not gone in that direction. Yes, they they moved some veteran players, but by and large, it has been uh, a, a deadline for them to do this retool. Uh, and that puts the players, I think, in a really interesting spot because it doesn't buy them much. We saw this last year and that bought them at least some wiggle room to start this season. If they win out the rest of the way and they play at a high level and Elias Patterson cracks a hundred points and Quinn Hughes continues to put up tons of points, it won't be remembered in a way that is, Hey, what's, what's this mean for this team this season? It's very much what will the start of next season look like. And I, I do wonder where the players uh, once we get toward the end of the season we get to the end of the season they have their end of season the veils what those comments are going to be like because I do believe right now that they're when they're in it they're doing everything they can to keep winning to feel good about where they left off this season but where that understanding is going to be once the season ends that they've missed the playoffs that it's not acceptable for a group that has the high-end talent That the Canucks do and that really the internal improvements that they've made some of the changes that they have made they can believe in all of that stuff but for us on the outside and the fans that pay to go to that building and that are invested in this team it's going to be the start of next season That that matters uh, a lot. Uh, All right, uh, let's get to Brendan Batchelor Canucks radio play by play voice right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, It was another busy weekend for the Canucks back to back another couple of wins. And it's it has become the norm. This is uh, what we've gotten used to uh, at this point with this team. So Batch, let's start here with these two games in particular. Um, what's behind this recent run? What has led this team here uh, to, to put these results together uh, that, that they've been able to uh, over the weekend and now going on uh, a number of weeks?
1: Well, there's a, a lot, Izzy. Um, you know, I thought they were two very different games in that the game... In Dallas against the Stars might have been Vancouver's most complete 60 minute effort of the season, especially defensively. Anytime you're limiting a, a team that sits at the top of its division to one goal in a game, you know you're doing a lot right in your own end in terms of, of managing things and preventing scoring chances and keeping things to the outside. And I thought the Canucks did that to the point where Reach and I were talking on the broadcast about how it was kind of a boring game but that is a compliment because the Canucks have played way too many games this year that have been way too exciting for all the wrong reasons with the high quality chances and goals that they've been giving up. So, you know, I thought the game on Saturday was, was that kind of game for Vancouver. The game on Sunday against Chicago was a little bit different where I thought both teams were sleepy. They both played uh, the night before and had to travel to get back to Chicago and the Canucks, probably only played as hard as they had to to beat a Blackhawks team that, you know, obviously is one of the worst in the league. And when you look at, you know, their roster and some of the guys they have playing in the NHL right now, you can understand why they've struggled as much as they have this year. But, you know, it it speaks to a Vancouver team that is sort of finding its identity. And the big question is going to be, how much of this identity will carry over to September and October when they return for training camp and the preseason and the start of next season? Because so many times we've seen this team go on late runs and they haven't been able to parlay that momentum into success going into the next season. So I guess the question is, will it be different with Rick Tockett or
0: not? there have been some individual standouts that aren't the the people that we expect you know JT Miller Elias Patterson Quinn Hughes uh who are playing at an incredibly high level but there are some of the depth players that have been able to stand out uh which i think bodes well for that idea that maybe next year there's something to build off of but for the for the core guys when when Patterson scored uh, the first goal it was so clear that he was fired up uh and that there is a, I, I think listening to Quinn Hughes talk lately listening to Miller and Patterson speak as well an understanding that what they do for the rest of this season while important for their own personal pride and important for setting the tone next year is is only really setting up what's to come uh, next season, that they that they have to build on that. Do, do you get that sense that the players are viewing these final games as uh, trying to put that exclamation point on this season uh, to have that, that building block?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's something that Rick Tockett has talked a lot about
0: since he arrived,
1: that these aren't just meaningless games down the stretch. This is essentially an early start on training camp, and he's talked a lot about building a foundation brick by brick in terms of the way they come to the rink every day, the way they practice, the way they play, the the professionalism with which they carry themselves. And, you know, this kind of comes back to what Talkit talked a lot about when he arrived about having rules and non-negotiables and things that have to be done. And this stretch here late in the year, and I think it's a big part of the reason why they brought in Talkit, when they did, because I know many people in the market have said, and you can certainly understand why they would think this way, that, you know, oh, you know, why did you get rid of Boudreaux? The team was losing. You could have just tanked the year, got uh, your best chance at a high draft pick, and then tried to move on with a new coach after that. But, you know, we're going to find out how valuable this stretch run is for this group, but you do get a sense that, in theory – there is value in getting a head start on being prepared for next year. That Rick Tockett doesn't have to come in and establish these expectations in training camp. You know, Most of the roster for next season will have been here this year and will understand what's going to be expected of them by the head coach. And not only will they understand it, but they're reaping the rewards of some of that accountability right now with the way they're playing and the success they're having down the stretch. So not only you know, do they have an understanding of it, but now they have a belief in it because they've seen it work. They've seen Talkit's mantra pay off in terms of the way they're playing. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to how well they can execute to start next season, how strong of a, you know, first month of the year they can have because that's really been their Achilles heel over the last few seasons is shooting themselves in the foot before the season's underway and, not being able to catch up in the playoff race and you know this will be two straight years where they've had good stretch runs and it won't be enough to get them into the playoffs mm-hmm. so you know the, that's the ultimate question here is are these changes the kind of changes that will allow this team to have a good start to their year next year and not be in a situation where they have to chase games and chase the season down the stretch.
0: Canucks play-by-play voice Brendan Batchelor with us on The People's Show. Israel Fair filling in for Bick Nazar. Uh, a couple more games that uh, we got to see Philip Peronic. Uh, we've seen him play with Quinn Hughes. We've seen him play with Tyler Myers, with Ethan Baer. Uh, we've seen him play on the left side a little bit and, of course, on, on his preferred right side. Uh, it has been, I think, a, a pretty good, uh, not audition, but a pretty good uh, start to his Canucks tenure in terms of uh, the positives that people talked about when that trade was made. What do you think his presence can open up for the Canucks when they're going to look at the defense in the offseason and, and try to continue building that out?
1: Yeah, I think the the important thing to look at is that I think he's going to be capable of carrying another pairing on his own. As much as we've talked about you know, you could play him with Hughes and that could certainly work. And, you know, at certain situations in games, I think those guys will play together if the Canucks are trailing and need offense or, you know, we've seen them play on the top power play unit a little bit together, although that hasn't necessarily worked over the last handful of games very well. But, you know, just the, the calmness in his game. And that's not necessarily something I was expecting to say as a guy that is sort of known as an up-tempo puck mover, but, It's similar to Quinn Hughes in that he doesn't look like he's rushed on the puck. He waits and makes the proper play. You know, There's just a smoothness to his game that we haven't seen on another defenseman on the Canucks, with the exception of Quinn Hughes, in the last few years. So the fact that they have another guy that has that sort of composure, that has that sort of confidence and ability to execute at that level and execute those sorts of plays opens up a world of possibilities to me in terms of how they could build out their top four next year. And it remains to be seen if they're going to be able to free up some of the salary cap money in the summer so that they could even add to their top four group on top of that. But I think what Horonic will do at the very least is raise the floor of what the Canucks top two pairings are capable of to a level where it's not just going to be Quinn Hughes eating all the minutes, and it's not just going to be Quinn Hughes who um, you know has to sort of put the team on his back on the back end and doesn't have a lot of help with him. Heronik has arrived; he is the help that Quinn Hughes will need. He's going to be able to take some of those big minutes so that Hughes isn't playing 30 minutes a night in order for this team to win. And then if they can complement those two guys with some more additions. On the blue line, and it remains to be seen whether that's possible. Then, you know, I'm starting to, for the first time really in five or six years, to be honest, if not more, I'm starting to think that I might actually like the makeup of the Canucks
0: blue line going into
1: next season. And that's not something that I would have said to you prior to the acquisition of Philip Heronic.
0: One wrinkle with Hronik that uh, maybe we didn't see coming: the uh, 2D on the power play. Uh, they did go away from it late in in the Chicago game, but uh, that was not something that uh, I think with this team, given the offensive fire, firepower that it has with its forwards. And uh, I guess the power play has been up and down at times over the last couple of seasons. We know that when it's when it's operating, it can be just about as good as any in the league. Uh what what did you make of uh the those power play opportunities? What what do you think that the plan is there uh with trying to get Heronic that that look uh playing on a on a power play with Quinn Hughes?
1: Yeah, I think I understand why they wanted to try it because anytime you make a high profile acquisition, you give up the assets that you gave up for Heronic, you want to give him as much opportunity as possible to be a difference maker for you. And You know, as a guy that, you know, is about to become a 40-point defenseman or he should be a 40-point defenseman before the end of the season, you know, you want to give him a look on that power play unit at the very least to see if it can work. Because if it does, then it'll allow him to produce more. And just from an organizational perspective, if he puts up a lot of points, then the acquisition looks better than, you know, maybe if he doesn't produce quite as much, if he doesn't play on the top power play unit Going forward. And of course, if he can help your top power play unit improve, then he's a guy that you want to have there. What I think might end up happening over the longer term and heading forward to next season is now that they have Heronic and they've got some more depth of scoring in terms of their forwards, we might see a more balanced two power play units where, you know, maybe you give each of them a minute and you spread out some of your wealth on two units as opposed to rolling out the top unit and having them play 90 plus seconds of every power play and the second unit only really gets out there for the final 20 or 30 seconds which is something that you know the Canucks have flirted with at times before I know Travis Green at one point and Newell Brown had kind of talked about trying to make sure they had two units that could produce but they never really had the weapons to make that a realistic possibility now that you've got another legitimate power play quarterback defenseman that you can put on that second unit in Heronic you've got an incredible wealth of depth especially on the wing right now especially if this team were healthy you know McKay and Garland Kuzmenko Besser, and you know it remains to be seen if all of these guys are still going to be here next year Bobbillier in that conversation mm-hmm. as well I don't see why you couldn't have two power play units that would both be capable of producing and scoring for you. And then that's another way for you to alleviate some of the big minutes that some of your top players are playing, which the organization both Alvin and Tockett at various times have talked about wanting to try and make sure that Quinn Hughes doesn't have to play 25 plus minutes every single night. Although that may be the realistic future for a defenseman of his impact level. But, you know, JT Miller playing a ton down the middle. If you can even up the power play units a little bit, if you can even up the ice time, then, you know, it takes some time away from those top players. But over the long run, that might be the best thing for the Canucks. So uh, I'll be interested to see if they try Horonic on that top, top power play unit again this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't, just because I don't think it really worked. And you know, he's probably going to be more capable in a situation where he could man the top of the point because he keeps penalty kills honest with his shot, which is not something that Quinn Hughes has. Right. Um, but it's more likely that that'll be on the second unit, I think.
0: Aiden McDonough made his uh, Canucks debut uh, against Chicago. Uh, first impressions on the young winger?
1: Yeah, I liked him. You know, one of the things we'd heard about him is that there might be a bit of a knock on his skating. And certainly that game against Chicago was not the quickest National Hockey League game I've ever had the pleasure of calling. <laughs> um, but I thought I thought he kept up. I thought he looked good. He was in and around the net, got in on the forecheck well, had a couple of chances to score, which I was pretty impressed with. So um, a good debut for Aiden McDonough. It'll be interesting to see how many more opportunities they give him to get into the lineup down the stretch here. And you know, When they get to that final road trip at the end of the season, they have three games, they go through California and then Andy Arizona, it's entirely possible at that point that if they've got any veterans with bumps and bruises, they sit them out or leave them at home, so that could be an opportunity for McDonough to get into the lineup again, but on a first viewing, I liked what I saw from him, and there's certainly potential there uh, for a player that's had a lot of success in college hockey, and uh, again, The Canucks and the Blackhawks is not like a a banner game that you're going to want to show someone that's never watched the NHL before as an example of how good the product can be. But it's still an NHL game, and I thought Aiden McDonough did pretty well in the opportunities that he got.
0: A guy who uh, I think is going to be at the top of a list of uh, highlights of uh, what you'd like to show people uh, in terms of getting them uh, to buy into the NHL is Elias Patterson. Uh, A couple more goals yesterday. He's up to 93 points. That puts him in sole possession of 10th spot on the single season uh, points uh, leaderboard for the Canucks. Uh, Still a few games to go for him to climb to get close to that 99 that J.T. Miller got there to break through on the 100-point mark. Uh, It's kind of hard to evaluate his season because uh, the Canucks overall have had a disappointing year, but assuming that he keeps up this pace, he gets close to that 99 or breaks past 100, how how will you remember the the season that Elias Pettersson has had?
1: Yeah, I'll kind of remember it as validation for what I thought was going to happen because with the way Patterson played down the stretch last year, after that first half of the season where he had a tough time figuring things out and and wasn't playing up to the level that, you know, anyone would expect of him and he wouldn't expect that of himself either. We saw a player that was getting set to turn the corner and become a dominant centerman in the NHL late in the season last year. And I was telling anybody that would listen over the summer that Pedersen is going to break out next year. This is the year he really starts to produce and he's going to hit a hundred points this year and not just the offense, right. But the fact that, you know, his 200 foot game continues to evolve on a nightly basis. We're talking about the great plays. He makes at both ends of the ice and the diligence with which he defends And that strong defensive play and commitment to the two-way game has actually opened up more offense for him. And here's the crazy thing about all of this. He hasn't even been that good on the power play in terms of his production this year. Right. So imagine what he might be able to do coming back next year if he can build on the way he's played at five on five this year and become an even more regular and dangerous scoring threat on the man advantage than what we've seen from him this year i still think the sky is the limit for this player and it's nice to see that he's found his game again after the way things went last year and some of the injury issues he's gone through to the point where we're a hundred percent talking about him as a top 10 centerman in the national hockey league right now and with the way he's played this year i'm sure some people would make the argument for top five and not just that he's producing at that level, but that he's a, a two-way force as well. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder, and it, it won't be this year, but when Pedersen came in initially as a rookie and scored a lot offensively, I don't know if I ever would have been talking about him as a potential selkie nominee, but with the way he's played this year and the impact he has in his own zone you know i don't i don't know how you can look at him and say that he couldn't potentially be in that conversation one day just because of how diligent he is in his own zone on top of the fact that he's an incredible offensive threat for this team on a nightly basis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know these games for some fans are frustrating because they were looking at the lottery, but when you've got a, a star player like Patterson who's in that in that realm that you just described, Batch, in that top 10, top 5 at his position, and, and doing it uh, on a, on a near nightly basis, it's, uh, it's hard to ignore. Uh, Batch, thanks a lot for taking the time. Really appreciate it.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Izzy. Have a good one.
0: All right. That was Brendan Bachelor, radio play-by-play voice for your Vancouver Canucks right here on Sportsnet 650. Um, it was pretty clear that the Canucks were on the, the second game of a back-to-back playing one of the better teams in the West on Saturday in Dallas and uh, making the trip to Chicago. Uh, that's a team where you can't afford to put your take your foot off the gas for, for a little bit anyway. And I did think there was a stretch there where uh, Colin Dalia made a couple of big saves. Uh, one in particular, highlight reel, two saves, toe saves on, on the same sequence that uh, were huge. Um, I know Shorty and Cheech on the broadcast were talking about uh, pretty clear a guy that wanted to beat uh, his former team, did, he obviously played for the Blackhawks before, uh beat them earlier this season and was uh in net for another win. Uh and that's the that's the thing. This Canucks team did did enough to to win uh on a back to back there and with the the kind of quick strike offense uh, from Elias Petterson. It was just a really impressive season overall. And I I want to separate the two. I want to separate that this season has been a disappointment and that the Canucks should be held accountable for that uh from what Elias petterson has been able to accomplish uh you look at the underlying numbers you look at the raw numbers it's uh it, it's it's pretty impressive he's he's put himself right up there with uh with the top players in the NHL and uh had that quick strike offense yesterday against Chicago to uh, add to his point total and uh put the Canucks over the line uh, in a game where uh, they weren't at their best, uh, back-to-backs in the NHL, regardless of the opponent. Opponent, even a team as uh, depleted as the Blackhawks are not straightforward. forward. That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This is The People's Show.